Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuhu Here in your first bonus episode in this month of Ramadan You have the tafsir, the explanation of Surah Al-Ikhlas Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the beginning of this surah A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem Bismillahir rahmanir raheem Qul huwa Allahu ahad Allahu samad لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا أحد الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على رسول الله وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين سورة الإخلاص قل هو الله أحد is one of the shortest surahs in the Quran yet at the same time it's one of the surahs that we recite repeatedly and so often our kids know it children learn it adults know it Every Muslim knows this surah, has recited this surah, and perhaps uses it quite commonly in their prayers and their salah, and yet we don't know its meanings. Before we jump into the meanings of this surah, let's first take a step back and understand the, uh, the reason this surah was revealed, or the occasion this surah was revealed. In uh, Jami'ul Tirmidhi, it is narrated that a group of disbelievers, of, of kuffar, of polytheists, came to the Prophet ﷺ in Mecca so this is again in the early Meccan phase and they asked him Unsublana Rabbak tell us the lineage of your Lord, of your God because for them um, as, as Bedouin tribal Arabs what was very important to them was a nasab this idea of lineage, of nobility, tribal you know I'm, I'm the son of so and so who was the son of so and so who was the son of this noble chieftain and, and this was a, of very big importance and status to them um, and so they came to the Prophet ﷺ to ask him, so your Lord that you talk about, what's his lineage, who's his father, his grandfather? And the, the assumption there is that Allah is similar to me. So if I have a grandfather, father, etc., if I have a lineage, if I have a family tree, Allah must have one too. So this is the assumption with which they asked the question to the Prophet ﷺ. And so Allah revealed this surah in response to them. Where the Prophet ﷺ, Allah tells him, قُلْ Say to them, Allahu Ahad, He is Allah, the one, the unique, the only, the alone. And so that's the reason the surah was revealed. Now what about the virtue of this surah? Is it an important surah or is it just like any other surah in the Quran? No, it has some unique importance. The Prophet wasallam said uh, in a hadith in Sahih Muslim that would any of you want to pray at night and read one third of the entire Quran? And they said, how can you recite one third of the Quran? His companions asked. So he responded to them that Surah Al-Ikhlas, this, this small surah, Qulhu Allahu Ahad, is equivalent to one-third of the Qur'an. How is that the case? The scholars mentioned some possibilities. One they said is it's maybe equivalent to one-third of the Qur'an in reward. So if you were to read one-third of the Qur'an with understanding and reflection, you'd get a certain amount of reward. And you get a similar reward for just reciting this surah. That's one option. The second way it's as perhaps equivalent to one third of the Quran is in its meanings. Because the entire Quran covers three main topics. At-Tawheed, the oneness of Allah, His description, His creation, who is He? Number two, Al-Qasas, stories, historical accounts of the past. And number three, Al-Ahkam, laws, legislation, the, the framework with which we should live our life. So the Qur'an broadly targets three subjects and Surah Al-Ikhlas summarizes beautifully the first subject which is who is Allah? Who is Allah? And so therefore Surah Al-Ikhlas, this surah, this small surah covers one-third of the entire Qur'an in meaning or rather it's equivalent to one-third of the Qur'an in meaning. So that's the initial bit. 
One of the most beautiful aspects of this surah is how certain people were very attached to this surah and they had a very personal relationship with it. In Sahih Muslim it's mentioned that the Prophet sent a group of people on, a, on an expedition or on a task and, he, and he, one of his companions would lead them in prayer in salah. And whenever he would lead them in salah he would always recite one surah قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ And when they returned um, they informed the Prophet that this man he only recites قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ in salah. The Prophet said go to him and ask him why does he do that? So when they went to the man and they asked him why do you recite only قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ in salah? That man responded لِأَنَّ فِيهِ صِفَةُ الرَّحْمَانِ because this describes Allah, this describes Ar-Rahman, the most merciful creator. And so I love to recite it. I have an attachment to it. I love to hear the, this description of Allah, quality by quality, who is he? And so the Prophet ﷺ told the, his companions, go and tell that man, أَخْبِرْهُ أَنَّ اللَّهَ يُحِبُّهُ Go and tell him that Allah loves him too. Tell him that be, due to his love for Allah, his attachment to Allah, Allah loves him in return. And one of the things we can benefit from this, this hadith, from this narration, is that it's not bad to recite the same surah multiple times in the same rak'ah or in the next rak'ah. It's okay to recite one surah in the first rak'ah, one surah in the second rak'ah, to recite a surah again and again in salah, just because you have an attachment to it, or to repeat an ayah, a verse of the Qur'an again and again, because you feel attached to it, or it's make, it's, it moves you, and you have a relationship with it. So that's the, pre the preface or the kind of the, the introduction to this surah. Let's delve into the meanings of this surah. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala begins this surah by saying, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ Say, O Muhammad, that he is Allah the one. Now the Prophet sallallahu in this ayah, Allah could have said, Say, Allah is one. قُلْ اللَّهُ أَحَدٌ O Muhammad, tell them that Allah is one. Respond to their question. Of tell us the lineage, the fathers and grandfathers of your Lord. Respond to them by saying, Allah is one. But instead, Allah said, Who Allahu Ahad? He, He is Allah the one. And this gives it a kind of an emphasis and an importance and a status to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's name. And Al Ahad, the one, it, it means the unique, the one which has no partner, no equal. He's alone in his pedestal, in his position, in his power, in his might, in his attribute, in his qualities. There's n nobody can uh, kind of share in any of those qualities, can share in any of his power. It's only him. The second ayah, Allahu samad Allah is As-Samad. What does As-Samad mean? As-Samad has two meanings, or kind of two components to its meaning. The first is, الَّذِي يُسْمَدُ إِلَيْهِ الْأُمُورِ أو تُسْمَدُ إِلَيْهِ الْأُمُورِ um, he is the one which everything kind of goes to in their needs. Everything needs him. Everything is dependent on him. You know, everything goes to him. Every human being, animal, insect needs Allah to provide for them, to give them oxygen, to give them life and existence in the first place. That's the first component of a samad. The second component of a samad is he doesn't need anyone. Allahu ghaniyun anil ibadi. Allah is not in need of anyone in the world. So those things combined is the meaning of As-Samad. The one who is needed by everyone and at the same time, he doesn't need anyone. And the power of this is for us to realize that Allah does not need our worship, our Salah, our Quran. He doesn't need us to be Muslim. That's why when people disobey Allah or transgress His limits or go against Him or oppose Him, Allah says in the Quran, وَمَا ظَلَمُونَا وَلَكِنْ كَانُوا أَنفُسَهُمْ يَظْلِمُونَ they didn't wrong us, they didn't hurt us, 
but they hurt themselves, they wrong themselves. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala doesn't need us. Need us. Um, and the beauty is that all of us need Him. We are all dependent on Allah. Every atom in this universe, every human being has a heartbeat. And that the movement of that heart is dependent on Allah giving it life. Every ant that walks in the corner of a dark desert is dependent on Allah for providing it crumbs to eat. Every microbe in your stomach is a live, is a living being. And it's dependent on Allah providing it acid to consume or providing it, it, uh, it sustenance. We are all dependent on Allah. And the more we real, realize this, the more humble we become. Because no matter what fancy car you drive, what job you have, what house you own, whichever stage of life you've arrived at, um, however intelligent you may be, in the end of the day, you need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I need Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And the more we accept and, and internalize this need for Allah, the more humble we feel in front of Allah. The more we beg Him and we ask Him. The more we come to Him for our needs rather than depending on ourselves for our needs. That's what Allah subhanahu means. The third ayah of this surah, Allah says, Lam yalid wa lam yulid. He hasn't given birth. And he is not given birth to. He has no children and he has no parents. And this is to respond to the actual question that was asked. Who is Allah's, uh, what's Allah's family tree? What's his lineage? So Allah responds by saying he doesn't have children. And he doesn't have parents. Because if Allah were to have children. The child would have to be similar to Allah. And nothing can be similar to Allah. It would also mean some kind of deficiency in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That he's similar to his creation. He can have children and wives and partners etc. etc. Allah is unique. Unlike any of us and it's hard to imagine it's it's rather impossible to imagine who Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is that's why Allah says in the Quran la tudrikuhu al-absar wa huwa yudriku al-absar wa huwa al-latif al-khabir that Allah no eye can can encompass Allah can comprehend him rather Allah encompasses everything Allah understands sees knows everything so it's important to understand Allah doesn't have children and he doesn't have parents because if he had parents he would be dependent on them and so Allah is unique and alone and there's nothing in his category. The last ayah of this surah. وَلَمْ يَكُنْ لَهُ كُفُوًا أَحَدٍ And Allah has no kufu. Al-kufu huwa al-nadhir wa al-shariq. Al-kufu in Arabic means an equal. Allah has no equal. Whether that's in his worship. Whether that's in him giving and taking life and death, provision and sustenance. He is the only one that gives those things to us and takes those things away from us. And that's why we always go to him to ask for those things. We don't ask so-and-so dead person. We don't ask so-and-so idol. We don't ask X, Y, Z. We go to Allah for our needs. He is the only one who can provide and take. And there's not, none equal to him. Now, the question is that after Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions, he is Allah, the one and only why does Allah then go in detail to explain everybody needs him, he doesn't need anybody, he doesn't have children, he doesn't have parents, he has no equals. When all of that can really be explained in the first ayah, قُلْ هُوَ اللَّهُ أَحَدْ Say he's Allah the one. Well, there's two reasons for that. The first one is لِلتَّوْضِيحِ To make it clear. Sometimes when you don't say, don't say things explicitly and clearly down to the T, people misunderstand. So you may say to somebody, um, you know, don't go, don't go to the supermarket. So then they go to the parking lot and they hang around the entrance. But you have to tell them very clearly, don't go to the supermarket, don't go anywhere near it, don't go to its parking lot, don't even enter its gates. Then the person says, okay, now I understand. Sometimes you have to make clear with details. The other reason is, it's atful al-khasi al-am. Some scholars say that it's, Allah mentions a general principle, He is Allah the one, and then Allah goes into detail in, in more specifics to make 
to kind of put emphasis on particular things. And one of those things Allah puts emphasis on is the fact that He has no children and parents. And that's to make clear to the Bedouin Arab who asks this question and to all of us, Allah is unique. He is alone. He is not in need of anyone, yet we are all in need of Him. Look how amazingly in this surah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala summarizes a very complex topic, which is who is Allah? And this is one third of the Qur'an. One third of the Qur'an's verses comes under this topic, who is Allah? Do you know who Allah is? Do we know who Allah is? We can't know who He is unless He tells us who He is. And unless we look around in His creation at who He is. But that subject of knowing who Allah is, is the primary motivator for us standing in front of Him. And feeling the importance of Salah, and feeling the importance of His speech, the Qur'an, and feeling the importance of our roles in this life, all of it stems from this idea, do we know Allah? Do we know who it is that we worship? Do we know who it is that we fear? Do we know who it is that we love? And if you know Allah, the natural consequence is that you will love Him. You will fear His punishment. You will love Him for His, his provision and His blessing and from, for who He is. You will fear Him for His punishment and the possibility of, his, uh, of, of the afterlife, the hellfire, etc. etc. And you will appreciate His creation. You will appreciate with your eyes what Allah has created and how He speaks to you in the Qur'an. But all of this comes from knowing who Allah is. And that is the fundamental purpose and the message of this surah. Some points to reflect on. One of the things Allah mentions in this surah is that He is a samad. Nothing, He is not in need of anything, and yet everybody, everything is in need of Allah. Step back for a moment in your life and really reflect. We depend on ourselves so much. We depend on, on our vehicles to get us from place to place. We depend on our parents, our families, uh, the, the world around us to do what we need to do. Have we ever thought that we are actually dependent on Allah for every breath we take? For every movement we make, for every purchase we get, for every morsel of food we digest, that all of these things, although there are steps in the chain, in the end, even these laws, the laws of physics, the laws of biology, how things work, all of this is dependent on a creator to make all of them in order, to make all of them exist. Have you ever realized our dependence on Allah? And have we ever, thank, ever thanked Him and appreciated Allah for our dependence on Him? Have we ever begged Him? or asked him, or pleaded with him, or requested him, the way we would ask a manager, a friend, someone we need something from. Another point of reflection is that Allah has no kufu, He has no equal. But think about it in your life. Is there something in your life which you put equal to Allah? This may not become apparent until I give you some examples. For example, if somebody decides to take a job in which they know they'll be doing something unethical, something wrong, but they say it's okay, I need to pay the bills. This person may have just put the uh, kind of the provision or this job equal to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's legislation and what he considers wrong and right. This person says, I can compromise what Allah says for this provision, this money, this, this earning that I'm going to have. This person has perhaps in their heart, maybe not outwardly, but maybe in their heart, given something else equal importance to Allah. By being happy to break his laws, by being happy to transgress his laws. For example, Allah mentions in the Quran, Allah mentions people who love things as much as they love Allah. Or they love some things more than they love Allah. Sometimes we get attached to things. And we're ready to throw our salah out the door in order to fulfill those things. Whether it's work, whether it's money, whether it's life, whether it's just busyness. We're willing to put things above 
you give them high importance than Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our lives. And this is a form of shirk fil mahabba, a form of uh, kind of becoming attached to things more than we are attached to Allah. So the crux of this surah, Tawheed, is not just to outwardly pray to Allah and worship one God and not worship any idols. No. The inner aspect of Tawheed is to give Allah the most importance to anything else you give in your life. To give Him the time of day that you don't give anything else in your life. To give Him a special part of your day. Not the spare time in your day, but the special part of your day. A fixed time in your day. To give Him that importance, that reverence, that love. To take His laws and legislations and to treat them as important ethics for your life and not to just treat them as something that I need to take a box with. This is part of Tawheed and these are just some points to reflect on. Barakallahu feekum. Wassalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.